the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Changemakers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself, and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Now, let's start talking. Today more than ever, it seems like people are emotionally charged, on edge, ready for conflict. It's so easy to get caught up in that energy. According to today's guest, Dr. Christian Conti, anger is natural, and we're not wrong or bad for feeling it, but it can lead to acting impulsively with regrettable consequences. Dr. Conti is here today to discuss how we can deal with anger and inflamed emotions. Dr. Conti is a licensed professional counselor, a certified domestic violence counselor, and a certified level 5 anger management specialist. He was a resident therapist on VH1's Family Therapy, co-host of USA Network's The Secret Life of Kids, and co-host of Spike TV's Coaching Bad with Football Hall of Famer Ray Lewis. He's the author of the book, Walking Through Anger, A New Design for Confronting Conflict in an Emotionally Charged World. Welcome, Dr. Conti. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Joan. What a beautiful introduction. Well, that's your life, so it's all on you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just, I absolutely love your title, Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life, because you empower people to say that the ball is in their court, and that's so true. Yeah, you know, thank you for saying that, because this really, the work that I'm doing came from a major overhaul in my life 10 years ago. And the one important lesson that I learned from everything I experienced is like you said, it's within us. It's, you know, get your head in the game and we have the power. Definitely. Well, you hit on an essential truth. And when it comes to anger and what I'll, we'll talk about today, the reality is that of everyone in the world, you are the only person you can control. Mm -hmm. And so as much energy as we want to focus on what other people should be doing differently or how other people should be thinking or feeling, the reality is we can only change ourselves. So I love it. Well, you know, and you've said, uh, and I thought that this was great, you said that working in this field for 20 years has taught you that the world boils down to two kinds of people, those with issues (laughs) and dead people. And, And that, boy, that is true. So this is such an important <laughs> conversation true. to have because there, every one of us, we have our own issues and we're dealing with people who have issues. So what got you interested in working with anger management? So, you know, I really thought about this. I tried to trace this back. It wasn't so much as a, a, a quick decision as an evolution throughout my life. So imagine this. So I grew up, my, my, my dad was an earth scientist. And I, when I was a haughty teenager, I said to my dad, uh, well, what got you interested in like why, studying rocks? And, and my dad looked at me and he said, well, look, if you're only going to live on one planet your whole life, don't you think you ought to get to know that planet? And I thought that was brilliant. And, and later on, when I was in college and I was struggling and lost and kind of looking for the best course of uh, path to follow, I thought about my dad's advice, except I thought, it, thought about it slightly differently. I thought if I'm only ever going to live with me my entire life, why not get to know myself? Um, and that really set me down the path of psychology and introspection and wanting to learn as much as I could about me. So that was one kind of a, a moment that I think was a shift as I look back on my life. The other was this, Joan. This was my mom was an English teacher, and she's the m- most kind, loving human being you could meet. In school, she was a st- very strict disciplinarian, and the kids were pretty, I think they're pretty intimidated by her. She's 
tiny as can be, but I'll tell you this. Right before ninth grade, my mom said to me, now I went to school where in the 1980s where it, it was, it, if you watch an 80s movie where kids circle up and fight, mm-hmm. that was pretty much it. Like, that's exactly what happened. So my mom looked at me before I went in ninth grade and she said, I better never find out that you ever watched the fight. If you see a fight, you step in and break it up. And when I really reflected on my life, Joan, I realized that she taught me then and there to step into conflict, not away from it. And there is a a, a conscious and a mindful way to handle conflict. But I've always kind of stepped into conflict. I've always been interested in learning, uh, constantly learning. And and then on the the most recent aspect, um, maybe 15 years ago, I was doing a study on my yield theory. And I went kind of undercover. So I'm a six foot, 250 pound bald guy with tattoos, covered in <laughs> tattoos. <laughs> Honestly, Jonah, you, you, I wouldn't be offended if you looked at me and said, oh, you ride a motorcycle, which I do. But still, <laughs> uh, so I, wa- I went in and I did a group for people who were convicted of violent crimes. And I sat in the back. Um, so they just assumed I was there with them. And I watched how, A, the, the, the guys who were in there, what they had to do is they had to write a letter of accountability. In other words, they had to say what they were sorry for and this and that. Well, I was watching the guys before the group started, and one guy had to do this letter, and the other guys were telling him what to erase and what to write. And he wasn't actually taking accountability. He was just doing what he was supposed to do so that they could bureaucratically have the paperwork. And then the teacher was extremely pejorative. He, he, he was condescending. Some of you are, are, are psychopaths, will never change. And so I thought, well, this isn't right. This whole system, not from their end, not from his end, not just, it's just not right. So I ended up uh, doing a study on my yield theory. It went real well. And then I just took over and I started doing groups for people convicted of violent crimes. And that's really how I kind of got, got into it. Dr. Conti, why do you believe so many people are angry today? I mean, it, you, everywhere you go, whether it be social media, in person, I mean, even the supermarket, it seems like people are ready for a fight. What's happening? Okay, I really believe it comes down to this. Just the way I say there are two kinds of people, I believe there are two worlds that we live in. One world is what I would call the cartoon world. That is our world where we believe that things should happen the way we think that they we want them to. So we say they, things should be like this. People should be nice to me. When I drive in traffic, people should get out of my way. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when I get to work, the boss should acknowledge my work. But then there's the real world. And the real world is the way the world actually is which means people are going to cut you off in traffic and, you know, they're going to be in front of you in that line in the grocery store and your boss might give credit to somebody else. As long as you align your expectations with the cartoon world, the way you think the world should be, you're going to be let down. But here's the catch, Joan, and this is what's powerful. It's not the world that's letting you down because the world is what the world is. It's your own thought. So I teach people to align their expectations with reality. The more prepared we are for reality, the more we will be able to handle it. But when you ask the question, why are people so angry? I believe quite simply and directly, we have a world where people are more and more caught up in their cartoon world. People should believe what I believe. They should think what I think. And that's a huge problem. And once you realize people don't always do what you want them to do, and that really is okay, and you're okay, then you have a much better chance to not be reactive. Okay, so understanding what causes us to be reactive, when we feel ourselves getting overwhelmed with anger, what are a few strategies that can help us really take control of that emotion? Okay, so I love that question. Neuroscience has taught us an awful lot. And in 2019, we're still not, we're not, we don't want to operate off information from 1950. And what we know now is this, you know, old anger management advice used to be, well, count to 10 and walk away. Mm-hmm. Well, unfortunately, we've, we've learned the reality of things like seething rage. In other words, for some people, when they walk away, their mind, if you've ever had the experience where you were arguing with someone, maybe you went away to work for the day. And you come back at the end of the day and you're angrier, even though no new information happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's basically that being rage in your mind. You kept spiraling, going deeper and deeper with it. And then by the end of the day, you're furious. So if someone has seething rage and you tell them to count to 10 and walk away, they're going to count to 10 and just get angry and come back and explode works. Right. So we need to be mindful about this whole old wives tales about what, what works and what doesn't. Here, here's what I think absolutely works. There will be a beginning middle and end to every emotional experience we ever have. And the more mindful we can be that 
there will be a beginning, middle, and end to every experience we have. The more we understand that people see our actions, not our intentions, and so our emotions are going to come and go, but our actions, they can't be undone. The more we understand those two crucial pieces of advice, the better in that moment we can begin to tell ourselves, let's come back to the concept, change your attitude, change your life, Begin. we, we begin to tell ourselves, look, I'm angry right now. It's extremely uncomfortable. It's not the end of the world. This anger will pass, but what I do in this moment will not be able to be undone. Now, when we start to approach the moment, we understand this feeling's not going to last forever. So it's basically having a different conversation with yourself. In the first example of step away and calm down, that's when you're feeding yourself the story of the rage. But what you're saying then is to rewrite the story, to understand your emotions and your actions, and to become mindful of your behavior. 100%, 100%. And, and look, we are the only people that we can control. So it does come back time and again to what we say. I love when you use the word story because we create a narrative. One of the, I think, most powerful teachings that I share with people is this. I've really discovered this throughout the last 20-some years, and that is our mind always wants to match our body. So in many cases, we talk about self-talk and it's the thoughts that we have drive our emotions, and they most certainly do. They don't determine our emotions because there are times you might have really pure, wonderful thoughts, but let's say you have a really bad stomach ache, and now that starts to impact you. Or maybe you're struggling with uh, physiological anxiety or physiological depression. So it's not necessarily always you just say the, a magic word and things are going to be better. And when your mind wants to match your body, here's what happens. If your body's agitated, if your body's irritable, and you're not mindful of what your self-talk is, you'll begin to create a story, a narrative to match that uncomfortable body. So let, let me make, maybe this will be a good, clear example. Joan, let's say you and I down three energy drinks really quickly. Mm-hmm. And we down three energy drinks really quickly. Our heart's going to go fast. Our body's going to be shaking a little bit. And we're going to feel physically anxious. And here's what's going to happen. For busy people like you and me, we might start saying, oh, no, did I forget to do this? Was I supposed to be here? Uh, oh, I, I forgot I was going to do this later. And so we start to create a, a narrative of an anxious story. Well, imagine the same thing is true when you're feeling very irritable and very and, and agitated If you create a story to match that, it might very well be, my loved one didn't listen to me last week, and and I never did finish that conversation. And and now you start to ruminate and allow your narrative to become one of anger rather than one of the observer, just recognizing, yeah, it's uncomfortable, but it's not the end of the world. So this technique would help us become skilled at controlling our own anger. But what about the hot-headed people in our life? Could the same approach help us diffuse a situation when we face their anger? It does, and I absolutely love that question because so the, the essence of what I've done, I've created something called yield theory, and yield theory is it's about meeting people where they are, attempting to see the world from their perspective. And so I think that in life, in life we're, it's easy for us to be skeptical of others, right? We, if we see somebody that says something and we don't agree with it, boy, we're skeptical of it. Where did they get this info? I don't believe that. I don't buy into that. But what's fascinating is this, Joan. As much as everyone out there, every listener out there knows that we all have more to learn. As long as we're alive, we have more to learn. But the moment someone disagrees with us, first thing we do, we shut down. We, we're, we're trying to tell them what we're seeing. We're not seeking to listen. And, and we're not very skeptical of our own thoughts. So it's easy to be skeptical of others, difficult to be skeptical of ourselves. So I tell you all that to say that when I look back and thought, what do I really do? 20,000 hours, I'm sitting down with people. What do I do? I wanted to be skeptical, not just of others, but of myself. So I thought, what are the core actions of what I actually do? Because I used to tell people, I just sit in the chair and talk to people. What you do with it is up to you. So I realized I do three things. And these are the things that we do when we encounter loved ones, anyone with anger, anyone with anger. I want you to do these three things. Listen, validate, explore options. Now, listen, as easy it is to say those three things, but the challenge is how do we listen? How do we validate? How do we explore options? And and, and I want to make that make sense. If somebody starts being angry at us, for whatever reason, the first thing we do, we seek to defend ourselves. See, yield theory theory is all about getting around 
people's defensiveness. And if I'm defending myself, I'm not getting around their defensiveness. So if I genuinely listen, and not just listen to what they say, but to how they say it, now I can validate them. Wow, it sounds like you're really upset with this, or let me see, you know, I can see what you're saying. I'm not saying I understand, because I don't fully understand someone else's perspective, but I'm trying. And then lastly, explore options. So where do we go from here? How do we handle this from this moment forward? I know in my life when I get very angry, one of the biggest things that bothers me the most is when I don't feel like I'm being heard. And so I can see how with your approach, it could make you feel like the other person is trying to understand and empathize and sympathize. And that would diffuse the situation. Yes. And it's so it's exciting. I appreciate you saying that so much because it's so actually exciting. And the truth is, we do want to be heard. When we're angry, we want to be heard. The, pr- the challenge for a lot of people is when that person wants to be heard, we want to be explaining ourselves when the truth is, if we would just take time to listen, really hear what they're saying, and then validate that. And validate doesn't mean condone it. Validate doesn't mean, oh, okay, I agree with you. No, I'm saying I'm acknowledging what you're saying. I'm acknowledging how you're feeling. And now we're going to, then we can move into where do we go from here? This isn't establishing a right or wrong. It's just listening to each other and, and trying to understand each other. Exactly. So I'll get people to say, well, well, then I guess I just have to give in to whatever they want. And right. I'm not at all. Not even a little bit. I'm, me acknowledging what you're saying doesn't mean I'm going to adopt your philosophy or agree with you. I'm saying, look, at it, it, the heart of it, the heart of it is this. I love, as for fun, I I study a lot of neurology, and I know a lot of neurologists out there would cringe if I made this so simple, because the truth is our brain is complicated. It is. It's complex. The whole brain is involved in all things. But if we really kind of give you just a, a basic visual, the center of our emotions is kind of seated in the middle of our brain, whereas our higher level thinking. So you and I talking right now, the way we're having an intellectual discussion, your listeners out there listening to this, if we put a, a brain image over a, a brain scan on them, the front part of your brain, your higher level thinking is activated right now. But when we're emotional, that center part of the brain is activated. So really quite simply, it's this. When someone's angry and you're trying to get them to see a different perspective, if you're talking at their frontal cortex when they're in their emotional system, the limbic system, then you're not actually communicating with them. It's like speaking a different language. But once you can validate them and get that energy out, now their brain is prepared to hear the message that you want to share with them. So, Dr. Conti, you mentioned that you've been doing work with prison inmates. Tell us about this work and what types of changes have you seen? Well, I've seen profound changes. One of the things I'll do with inmates and officers is talk about a puppet, a marionette. Now, imagine if we're pulling the strings on that marionette and we're making the puppet dance this way and that way. And I do that in front of, you know, some of the toughest people in the world. I say, this sounds silly, right? A puppet. But how many of you have had your day going one way? And then all of a sudden, someone comes along and says or does something, and now you're angry. Well, guess what? In that moment, they just controlled you like a puppet. You allowed yourself to be a puppet. So my question to you is, do you want to continue to be a puppet to others, or do you want to be in control of your own life? Again, change your attitude, change your life. So now I say to guys, okay, instead of, because a lot of inmates, a lot of arguments come because someone says something, now someone has to say something back. And what I try to teach is maintain control of you. No matter what others say, because people don't say things about you, they say what's inside of them. And that's important to understand because then you don't have to be reactive. And so the truth is we know that we master what we practice. If we want to be good at basketball, we have to practice basketball. So I I stood in front of the, the inmate population and I said, look, at the end of everyone's life, if you've ever sat with someone in hospice, what do we know people want? They don't say, oh, I wish I would have hurt more people. They say, I wish for peace, like they want peace. And if we all know that our final moments are going to come at some point, and we all know that we're going to want peace, then we master what we practice. If we want peace, we have to practice peace. So I started a movement on three things. One was inner peace. Two was education. It's not just about learning books. That's wonderful. That's great. In fact, there's a great new book called Walking Through Anger that's coming out. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's also, when I, say, when I say education, I say personal growth, like constantly learning about yourself your entire life. And then three it is, so inner, inner peace, education, and then legacy. And I say this, the past is gone. We can't change a second of it. Future has not yet been written. 
All we have control over is the present moment. We are creating a legacy, like it or not, and our legacy is created as long as we're alive. It's all a part of our story. So you don't have to define yourself by what led to this moment. You can start to create your new legacy from this moment forward. The book is Walking Through Anger, a new design for confronting conflict in an emotionally charged world. If you'd like to get more information about Dr. Conti and his work, you can visit drchristianconti.com. That's drchristianconti.com. Dr. Conti, in our final moments, what's the takeaway? What would you like to leave our listeners with? I want to leave your listeners with this. If you want peace, you've got to practice peace. It takes effort, but it's worth the effort. Dr. Conti, thank you so much for joining us and for providing strategies that can help us manage anger, ours and from others. So as I said, you know, it seems like we're living in a supercharged world today and what you teach can have a profound impact on our relationship and our daily life. So thanks for being here. Thank you so much, Joan. This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. How much can the right foods do for you? A lot more than weight control. The right foods can increase your energy, improve your outlook, and strengthen your body's natural defenses. What foods can do all that? Primo Health Solutions will show you using metabolic typing. This remarkable program lets your body tell you what it needs to work best. Call them today at 347-903-7030. That's 347-903-7030. Or go to PrimoHealthSolutions.com. Using metabolic typing, Primo Health Solutions will let your body work best. If you're a person living with any discomfort, have trouble sleeping, or the many other issues that come with getting older, I have great news for you. You have a chance to do something for yourself and at the same time help a U.S. veteran. My name is Janice Coviello. For years, I've been living with knee pain and discomfort every time I did something active, even walking. But after eight knee surgeries, countless bottles of Advil, and hyaluronic acid injections, I was desperate for relief. My doctor's told me a knee replacement was my only option. To avoid another surgery, I found another solution, a transdermal gel known for reducing joint pain, faster recovery from injuries, enhancing strength, and promoting natural tissue repair. I started using the gel with amazing results. For the first time in 17 years, I could run without Advil. In addition, I sleep better and have so much more energy. But just don't take my word for it. Go to Forever young.org to learn how the purchase of this product can benefit you and also help a U.S. veteran. That's the number four, everyoung.org. Calm, vitality, mindfulness. We all want them, but they seem so hard to attain. Escape the stress and frenzy of the city streets. New York Open Center offers courses, trainings, and a vibrant community to help you start your journey for a more balanced and healthy life. Visit our website at opencenter.org for more information. Stop by our cafe and bookstore for all your wellness needs. Find your center at 30th and Madison. Hi, this is Joan Herman. Did you know that Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life publishes a free monthly digital magazine that can be read online or emailed to your inbox? Every month, nationally recognized leaders in their field provide information to educate, inspire, and motivate you. We believe in a holistic approach to life, incorporating mind, body, and spirit. Check out a copy of 24-7 Magazine, visit CYACYL.com, and be sure to tell your friends. to live a happy, productive life, but sometimes we just need a little help. Our Coach on Call experts provide strategies to help you live your best life now. Joining me today is Linda Mitchell, a transformational life coach and reinvention expert who helps her clients move through life's challenges and transitions with purpose, passion, and clarity to emerge more powerful, fulfilled, and purposeful. Linda is here today to discuss how to reclaim your joy. Welcome, Linda. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Joan. It's great to be back. So, Linda, the way we all live our lives today can be exhausting, and to be honest, it can suck the joy right out of us. So, do you believe our cultural norms contribute to the general feeling of melancholy and unintentionally robs of our joy? You know what, Joan? I really do. Our culture really does promote 
and even reward busyness. And yes, even the pursuit of perfectionism. We are a goal-oriented culture. And on the surface, that's not a bad thing. But constantly pushing ourselves, trying to be near perfect, working till we drop and so on, simply makes us feel overwhelmed and unworthy because we can't measure up to that standard. We compare ourselves to our neighbors, friends, coworkers, and everyone we see on social media. It's so easy to become overwhelmed, cynical, negative, and cranky. And before long, we've lost our way. We begin to judge ourselves harshly, and we inadvertently stray from our core values and feel anything but joy. Linda, for someone who is feeling overwhelmed or melancholy, what steps would you advise they take to get out of their old patterns and make change? Well, first, I'd say stop comparing yourself to others around you and online. We're all here for our own soul's purpose. Comparison is a sure path unhappiness. Instead, focus on your own uniqueness. Secondly, get out of your routine and connect to your core values. It's too easy to get stuck in busyness and daily minutiae and forget what our why is, why we're working toward a goal, why we're trying to better ourselves, why we're doing the work we're doing. When we reconnect with our why, our core values, we immediately recenter ourselves and we can start fresh. And third, just allow imperfection. Life is messy, and so are we as human beings. We need to get comfortable with that fact. And by messy, I'm not referring to being untidy or disorganized. What I mean is learning to give yourself the grace of being imperfect. So then, Linda, let's talk about the how. What practices can you suggest that can help someone reclaim joy? Well, I'd say first, revisit your values. Discern what your non-negotiables are to a happy, joy-filled life. Remind yourself what you value most and realign your activities and mindset. So if you're spending too much time at the office or too much time online, pause. Remember what matters most to you. Is it spending more time with your family, your kids, or your elderly relatives? Is it volunteering at the food pantry or the pet shelter that brings you joy? Realign your activities so you intentionally spend more time even if it's just a small amount of time, doing what brings you true joy. What's important is to reconnect with your own soul's longing and get on that path. Identify what makes you unique and focus on that. Hopefully you can see the wisdom in not comparing yourself to others. So instead, you can identify and focus on what makes you unique. In order to reclaim our joy and feel wildly alive, we need to unapologetically embrace our own uniqueness our own gifts, talents, and even the little quirky things that make you you. Maybe do something that might feel outrageous to your mature self, but your younger self would enjoy it. So do that without judgment. Set aside some unscheduled time to play. Play allows the creative right brain to be untethered. And here's one that's largely overlooked, but really powerful. Sit in stillness at least once a day. This practice gets us out of our heads and into our hearts. That's where the true answers lie. So then you need to follow those hunches and intuition. Linda, is there a simple way that we can get started? The simple thing you need to do is find what makes you unique and focus on that. So one of the easiest ways is to sit down and make a list of all the good qualities you possess. Now, that may feel uncomfortable for some people, and if so, you really need to do this exercise. But remember, you're not being asked to shout this from a rooftop or brag. You're simply reminding yourself how amazing, talented, and unique you are. So don't be shy. This is not the time to be humble. Once you've made that list, then go back and put the words, I am, in front of each entry. And then boldly exclaim each one out loud, in front of a mirror maybe. I suggest you do this in private so you don't feel any temptation to be anything but celebratory toward yourself. Do this until you feel really good about it. And don't stop until you feel that joy seeping back into your spirit. I invite everyone to do this because even if you're currently in a difficult situation, this exercise will definitely help you find some comfort in your circumstances. It will help you discover the inspiration, compassion, and joy inside of yourself. It's there. And this exercise helps to coax it out of you so you can embody it. Once you begin to love and accept yourself for exactly who you are right now, not the person you will be when that next goal is met, but the person you are right now who possesses all those beautiful qualities you listed, then you can begin to consciously live an inspired, enjoyable, passionate life with plenty of joy. 
Linda, thank you so much for joining us. If you would like to learn more about this topic or Linda and her work, you can visit livinginspiredcoaching.com. And as always, to hear more from Linda, you can visit our website, cyacyl.com slash Linda. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Joan Herman. Did you know that Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life publishes a free monthly digital magazine that can be read online or emailed to your inbox? Every month, nationally recognized leaders in their field provide information to educate, inspire, and motivate you. We believe in a holistic approach to life, incorporating mind, body, and spirit. Check out a copy of 24-7 Magazine, visit CYACYL.com, and be sure to tell your friends. This is WNYM, Hackensack, New Jersey, New York City. to Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for staying with us. Our biology is set up to work in partnership with the sun. Joining us today to talk about how the science of sunlight shapes our bodies and minds is Linda Geddes, a science journalist who specializes in biology, medicine, and technology. She's the author of the book, Chasing the Sun. Welcome, Linda. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So, Linda, I'm one of those people who experiences sad seasonal affective disorder. When the days get shorter, I'm happiest during the summer when I spend a great deal of time outside. What role does the sun play in our physical and emotional well-being? Well, actually, it plays a number of roles. And the reason I became interested in sunlight and um, and circadian biology in the first place is because my mum suffers from the winter blues. And, you know, you, you can, throughout my childhood, I, I would kind of notice how, you know, as the as the winter set in or autumn and winter set in and we got closer to the winter solstice should start doing less and becoming you know more more hermit like and staying indoors and talking about how oh winter's here I just can't do anything I feel so sluggish and sleepy and then it was almost like as soon as the winter solstice passed um she would become more active and and even though it was still dark in the evening she she'd be saying you know, it's it's getting lighter now. The evenings are getting lighter. The spring and summer's coming, and I feel better. And so, so light affects us in lots of ways. Um, so, seasonal affective disorder is thought to be due to this um, lengthening of the nights. And I suppose we should start by talking about what circadian rhythms are. So, circadian rhythms are these. Um, 24-hour fluctuations in the activity of pretty much every biological process, actually. Um, but that includes things like us, when we feel sleepy and awake, um, which is the kind of most obvious thing people talk about when they talk about circadian rhythms is sleep. Um, but also things like our immune cell biology and our brain chemistry. All these things are affected by our circadian rhythms. And these circadian rhythms are generated in actually every cell of our body. Um, they're generated by a kind of molecular clock that, that goes on in these cells. But in some people, these rhythms are a little under 24 hours. And in other people, they're closer to 25 hours. And yet all of us stay synchronized to the 24-hour world outside. And the way that happens is because of light. Because when light and particularly bright sunlight hits the back of the eye, it triggers this subset of cells um, which speak to a tiny patch of brain tissue called the suprachiasmatic nucleus. And it kind of acts as, as the, the body's master clock. And when that light hits those eye cells and it speaks to the SCN, it acts like the reset button on a stopwatch. So it causes those innate rhythms to be pulled a little forwards or a little backwards, depending what your your kind of natural timing is, and keeps us synchronized to the 24-hour world. Now, what happens in winter when it gets, when it's dark a lot of the time in, in you know, in northern countries or, or, or very southern countries, actually, is, um, is that our master clock becomes a little bit confused and, um, and we're less able to kind of track the 24-hour period. And and the kind of leading theory for what happens with seasonal affective disorder is that our clocks kind of become desynchronized. 
and actually, you know, I said that these circadian rhythms control lots of things. So, so if we talk about just mood and alertness, so generally our our mood is at its lowest in the middle of the night and the early morning, kind of around 4 a.m. And so is our alertness. Now, if our clocks become confused because it's dark all the time, what quite often happens is is those clocks kind of become delayed. So, you know, when you're waking up at, say, 7 a.m., um, you are, rather than kind of coming out of that real dip in, in alertness and mood, you're still in it. Um, and so one reason why sad lights and that kind of bright light exposure first thing in the morning is thought to work is because it advances the clocks. So it kind of, you know, when you're waking up, you're you're already kind of on the up and coming out of that, that pit. Um, but then, you know, light has other effects on us as well. So besides affecting our circadian rhythms, it also has this direct alerting effect on the brain. So studies have shown actually that exposure to about an hour of fairly low intensity blue light because our clocks and our eye cells are particularly responsive to light in the blue part of the spectrum. So exposure to an hour of that low intensity blue light is equivalent to drinking several cups of coffee in terms of the the kind of alerting and stimulating effect it has. And light also, um, those same eye cells at the back of the eye also feed into mood regulating areas of the brain. So it also has an independent effect on mood. So, you know, you can already, and and that's before we even go into what sunlight's doing to our skin. Um, So you can see that there are already several mechanisms by which our light exposure can impact our brains and our bodies. Do you think that exposing people to bright light during the day and darkness at night, can that boost our immune system? So one thing that you quite often see in hospital patients is this this flattening of these circadian rhythms, these 24-hour patterns in our in our biology. And there is some evidence that um, this flattening is associated with poorer recovery um, from illness. Um, so let's take, and, and, and indeed not just flattening, but desynchrony of, of these circadian rhythms. So, you know, in, in these hospital patients, you see this flattening and you also see these rhythms kind of starting to fall apart. Um, I mean, there's some evidence from human patients that, um, say, say patients who've had cardiovascular surgery, say for, for heart disease, that patients who are recover in brighter hospital rooms and being kept in a brighter hospital room kind of in, with a kind of bigger difference between your light and dark exposure in the day and night. So patients who are kept in, in rooms with bigger windows seem to get out of hospital sooner. But I think the most compelling evidence actually comes from animal studies. So there's been some work out of the Canadian research group that has looked at what happens if you take a bunch of mice and some of them have, you know, messed up circadian rhythms, flat rhythms, uh, because they've been kept in an unusual kind of hospital light environment where it's kind of fairly dim in the daytime and it's it's also kind of lighter at night than, you know, they get in the kind of natural world. Um, so, so if you take if you take a bunch of mice who have these disturbed circadian rhythms and a bunch of mice that have um, strong circadian rhythms and then all of them suffer a kind of a heart attack, the ones with strong circadian rhythms seem to lay down less scar tissue in their heart and they have um, improved survival rates. And that's thought to be to do with the number of immune cells that infiltrate the heart after it's injured. So, yes, I do think that being exposed to a more natural light-dark pattern, meaning lots of bright light during the daytime and very little light at night, can impact our immune systems and it can impact our recovery. And what about people who work off shifts? They sleep during the day and they work during the night. What can they do? Well, I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? Because shift work is a kind of necessary evil in the modern world. You know, we need people to work shifts. I think one thing that researchers are now starting to look at is um, whether 
whether the time you eat might affect how badly those clocks become scrambled. Because actually it's not just our light exposure that affects the timing of our clocks. Um, light exposure is part of it, but recently it's been discovered that when we that, that meal timing and when we eat can also affect the timing of of some of our clocks, particularly the ones associated with our guts. Um, so the idea is that if you are you know if you are having to work shifts um, and see light at night, then maybe if you avoid eating during that night shift, that might um, that might mitigate some of the negative health consequences. I think the other thing to say actually though is that if you are if you are working the night shift, um the, the the kind of best thing would be if you can work um the same shift all, all the time because it is actually possible to become nocturnal. So if you look at say oil rig workers who um you know spend spend weeks or months at a time away from home um working out at sea, um and they work the night shift consistently, then actually they can get very good sleep um, and they can fully adapt because they're able to, um, you know, fully fully flip night and day. So you work the night shift and then you go to bed, you pull the blinds and you just force yourself to sleep in the dark. So I think, you know, I think a really important thing is to try and get enough sleep if you're working shifts. And that, that means... Um, trying to, you know, turn off those social engagements and really make the time when you're sleeping a kind of a properly dark and uninterfered with time um, so that you can get enough sleep. Linda, where can our listeners go to get more information about you and your work? Um, well, I have a website, which is lindageddis.com, um, and I'm on Twitter as well, which at at Linda Geddes. Linda, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Did you know the number one cause of bankruptcy is medical bills? Hi, I'm Lori Gardner, registered nurse, patient advocate, and board-certified health and wellness coach. I am the CEO and founder of HealthLink Advocates, a firm dedicated to assisting people navigate our very complex healthcare system. We also provide coaching to individuals and groups that want to improve their health and well-being. Many people do not realize that their health insurance may not be enough to protect them, especially in the event of a major health crisis. What is the solution? Know your insurance plan, what is covered, and how much it will cost before you secure services. This requires not only reading your health plan benefits booklet, but also liaising with the provider of services to ensure those services are covered. You must also know if any pre-authorization from your insurance company is required ahead of time. All services must be reviewed to ensure they are in-network. If the provider is out of network, you could get a large bill for those services that would not be covered by your insurance plan. It has been reported that 80% of hospital bills have errors in them, and this can be very costly. It is critical to review a detailed bill from a hospital or any medical bill to check for accuracy. It is extremely important to understand the explanation of benefits, otherwise known as an EOB, that your insurance company provides you. The EOB is a report to you and the provider of services on exactly how the insurance claim was processed. It is essential to review this to determine what the insurance company has paid and what you are responsible to pay. If you need an insurance advocate to assist you, please contact us at healthlinkadvocates.com. Do you find yourself being more and more judgmental about other people and situations? Would you like to change this? Hi, I'm Jessica L. Conrad. I'm a certified life coach. I help those at a crossroads in life find clarity and direction. I specialize in supporting women with fertility issues. One reason you may find yourself so judgmental is called an interpretation. An interpretation is an opinion or a judgment that you create about an event, situation, person, or experience and believe to be true. How someone sees something from their perspective. So how can you change this? Sometimes just realizing that there are other ways to look at something lessens the power of an interpretation. You can ask yourself questions such as, what's another way to look at that? What would someone else say about that? If you would like to learn more, please visit me at my website, jessicalconrad.com. Or you can book a free discovery call at healthhopehappy.com.
Do you meditate? Hi, I'm Carrie Carapito from KNP Holistic Health and Fitness. I'm a yoga teacher and a holistic health and lifestyle coach. Meditation is just one part of yoga. The benefits of meditation are innumerable, yet I hear from so many people that they can't meditate or they can't sit still, and most of all, they can't shut their mind off. No matter what they do, those monkey thoughts just won't quiet down. The good news is there are so many different forms of meditation that there is something for everyone. Remember, it is a practice. You need to practice at it, just like anything else, to get good at it. Meditation is just focus. Focus on your breath. Focus on a mantra. Focus on visualization. Try a walking meditation, perhaps on a beach, in the woods, or on a mountain. Keep practicing on your focus and you will notice those monkey thoughts will start to disappear. Want to learn more about meditation? Visit my website at kmpholistic.com or call 973-823-1600. Did you know that when we as women think about caring for ourselves through pregnancy, labor, and the postpartum period, that we often overlook the vital role of a birth and postpartum doula. Hi, my name is Rachel, owner and primary doula at The Village Doula. And I'm here to tell you that a doula isn't just some new age accessory for the super wealthy. Instead, she is a vital educator, guide, support, and coach through one of the most critically transformational times of your life, the time where you will make the transition into motherhood. During my years as a registered nurse, I began to see a gap in care that many mothers were facing. Here are a few reasons why a doula is a vital part of your birthing team. Women who chose to include a doula in their care were 40% less likely to experience cesarean section. Their labors were almost 40 minutes shorter on average, and they experienced a 25% reduction in force and vacuum-assisted births. Women who used a doula in their care also reported feeling overall supported, well, happy, and adjusted in their postpartum period. They also experienced lower rates of postpartum depression and anxiety by almost 35%. This is huge and such an honor to be a part of this process for new families. For more information on closing the gap in care, please visit my webpage at thevillagedoula.life. want to help someone who could use a hand christmas can be the most wonderful time of the year but it can also be the saddest and the loneliest while many people experience the joy of the season blessed with abundance others struggle to put food on the table wouldn't it be wonderful to share your blessings with those less fortunate to let them know that they're loved and not forgotten through change your attitude change your life's third annual feed a family initiative you can provide a nourishing festive holiday meal to those in need working with local charities we'll be distributing boxed pre cooked dinners. Each meal comes complete with meat, vegetables, salad, sides, and dessert. It's easy to help out. Simply visit cyacyl.com slash holiday meal to learn more or to place your order. That's cyacyl.com slash holiday meal. Alexis Brink, president of the Jin Shin Institute located in New York City. Alexis has been a practitioner of the art of Jin Shin since 1991. Alexis is the author of The Art of Jin Shin. She's here today to discuss Jin Shin for Stress Reduction. Welcome, Alexis. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me today. So, Alexis, we are living in a very stressed out society these days. How can Jin Shin help us to reduce stress? Yes, it's a very good question because I see a lot of people who come to my practice who are very stressed out just from their daily lifestyle. And so usually where that manifests energetically is right on top of the shoulder. It's when you place, let's say you place your right hand over your left shoulder like a coat hanger and your left hand over your right shoulder, you may feel some tightness in there. Um, the right side of the body has to do with our lifestyle and the doing. So usually when people are very stressed out, it will manifest on the right side. Why does this help reduce stress? What, what is it actually doing in our body? So the art of Jinshin balances the left and the right side of the body. If we are very stressed in life, it means that the right side is moving too fast. So by balancing this energy, it will flow in harmony again, and the body can function optimally. So when people are very stressed, usually 
it manifests on the right side. And when I place my hands on the body, I will feel congestion in certain areas of the body. And by holding them in specific flow patterns, the stuck energy will release and the energy can flow freely again and harmony will occur and after a session you just feel amazing and very very deeply relaxed and this is really the point where healing takes place is this something that our listeners can do at home and if yes can you share an exercise with us that can help them reduce stress yes there's two main things and one is to get into the breath because when people when we are very stressed we tend to stop breathing and we have little shallow breaths and um, it's very important to completely exhale the energy all the way down the front to the toes and then inhale up the back. And so that's very, very important. And then you can place your left hand over your right shoulder and place your right hand over your left shoulder. They are the main areas where we tend to hold on to stress. So if you hold your shoulders like that, and you can try it right now, then you may feel some tightness in there. It may feel a little bit congested. And when you stay with it for a few minutes, you will feel it release. And that's when the body can function well again. Alexis, thank you so much for joining us. If you would like to learn more about these exercises or Alexis and her work, you can visit jinshininstitute.com. And as always, to hear more from Alexis, you can visit our website, cyacyl.com slash Alexis. She wants to be home with her friends. But at this moment, she's fighting a brain tumor. Please take a moment and join St. Jude in finding cures and saving children. Visit stjude.org. That's it for today's show. Thank you for joining us. I hope you found the show informative. At Conversations with Joan, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember that the information provided are the opinions of our guests and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, cyacyl.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on the site, listen to past shows on demand, read our digital magazine, take part in the book club, check out our team, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. The preceding pre-recorded program sponsored by Maximilian Communications, LLC.